How are music therapists changing the lives of people in Canada? What is the latest research and trends? You are tuned into the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast, and we will explore these questions with our guests today. Let's get started. Welcome to the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast. We are your hosts, Adrian and Kathy. We are excited today because we are being joined by Noreen Donnell from Oakville, Ontario. We want to speak with Noreen because of her extensive background and involvement in the field of music therapy for over 30 years. Noreen will share with us about her motivation to become a music therapist, how others can get started in this field, and stories about the impact she has made with her clients. She will also give you more information about her innovative program and product called Communicate. Here's a little more about Noreen. Combining her desire to help others with a lifelong study of music, Noreen Donnell has dedicated more than 30 years to her profession as a certified music therapist. Holding a bachelor's degree in psychology and music therapy and a master's degree in music therapy from Wilfrid Laurier University, she has extensive experience working in different settings, helping children and adults with developmental delays and physical disabilities, psychiatric and emotional challenges, as well as children with autism spectrum disorders. From 2010 to 2014, she was the clinical director of music therapy at Blue Balloon Health Services. Prior to that position, she operated her own private practice, Halton Music Therapy, and has worked at hospitals, rehabilitation centers, and long-term care facilities. She is the co-founder of Communicate, which is a successful and unique music-based group intervention program that combines music therapy and speech-language pathology to improve communication skills in children. She is also accredited with the Canadian Association of Music Therapists, where she served on the National Board as Vice President from 2004 to 2009. Noreen is a registered psychotherapist with the College of Registered Psychotherapists of Ontario, and she is a member of the Music Therapy Association of Ontario, the Laurier Centre for Music Therapy Research, and the Songwriters Association of Canada. She has also published numerous articles in the Canadian Journal of Music Therapy and has composed for and produced a children's CD entitled Singling Along. Noreen is currently operating a supervision practice, which is called Music by Design. She's working as a music therapist at the Hamilton Wentworth Catholic School Board, and she consults to various organizations. And finally, as a musician, Noreen plays piano, guitar, violin, and percussion. And she sings. Welcome to the podcast, Noreen. We are excited to have you join us today. Uh, You have so much experience in the field of music therapy. I mean, unbelievable. Over 30 years. I mean, you don't even look 30. Oh, (laughs) you're sweet. (laughs) Well, our listeners can't tell that, but anyway. (laughs) I really want to find out a little bit more about uh, some of the factors and experiences that led you to become a music therapist and do all the amazing work that you're doing in this field. Okay, well, thanks very much for having me, Kathy and Adrian. I think there are, I would say, two main motivating factors for what led me to this career. First, um, I would have to give a nod to my early love of music, starting with piano lessons at age eight. I quickly realized this was something that I not only loved to do, but it was something I was naturally good at. So that combined with, I have to give a shout out to one of my favorite uh, piano teachers, Mrs. Yvonne Lachine. And I 
totally credit her with bringing the music out in me. And I remember a particular, a particular piano lesson where she encouraged me to physically almost lean into the music as I was playing. And I think she knew on some level that music was bubbling inside of me. And in a sense, she freed, she freed me. I feel, I feel like she freed my musicality. And I admit I wasn't always the best at practicing, um, I think because it came easily to me um, in the early years. So I'd often go on to these musical ta tangents. Um, for example, if I made an error when I was playing classical music and I liked the sound of it, I would start composing a different song based on that. So I kind of think that was my, my creativity coming out and probably why I continue to love to write songs. Music was a very present force in my home growing up, and I'm really thankful for that, um, for the support of my parents who had to, you know, not only pay for, but drive me to all those lessons that I think, I think at one point I was up to five lessons a week. Wow. So, yeah. So that wow. was a lot. <laughs> Forget the practicing, just do the lessons. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and the second motivation in thinking about this was probably a desire, a deep desire to help others with my music. I've always had a very big heart and I'm really sensitive to the needs and the energy of others. So I love the idea of using my musicality in a very practical and a really supportive way. I, uh, when I was thinking about as I graduated, you know, from high school, I was pretty certain I didn't want the lifestyle of a performing musician. I resisted music teaching. I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I was fascinated by human behavior. So when I studied psychology at university, um, coupled with my music studies and add to that some really great timing that uh, the first music therapy degree started at Wilfrid Laurier University, it all pointed to me uh, joining the field. I also had the really amazing opportunity to intern with Fran Herman, who is a pioneer in the music therapy field. And that, I think, kind of cemented my, my path. That's amazing. I love that story of the timeline about how when you were small and your connection uh, to music and then how it's, it wasn't sort of like in grade eight, I'm going to be a music therapist. It was sort of, I never know, heard really of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it wasn't really talked about. It's, it's such a, it's a new field relatively uh, in Canada. So, but something, something in me said, I got to use my music somehow. And did you find, um, that when you were in high school or, you know, in psychology program, you were mentioning about you knew there was a way you could help other people through your music. Was there a specific situation that happened where you realized that or you just had this inner knowing? That I, think I, I think I was really searching for what to do with my music. I knew I wanted to do music um, as a career, but again, I wasn't sure which path. And then it actually was my mom um, I like to romanticize this that she, you know, sent me a letter and said, or no, it was a newspaper clipping back in the days of, you know, when you'd mail things. And uh, she mailed me a newspaper clipping and I remembered it as her writing, this is the career for you. Even there's an article about Fran Herman, who I ended up interning with. But the funny thing is I found that article not that long ago and she'd actually written, call this woman. <laughs> in other words, call Fran Right. Um, <laughs> right. So that was, uh, you know, that was my mom that said, this sounds like what you're looking for, what you want to do. Um, and again, when you're on that, that cusp of, you know, finishing university and going, what am I, 
what am I going to do with this degree? And then, as I said, just as I finished my music degree, um, and I'd done a, a double major in psychology, that's when the Laurier program started. So it was really like, so I spent another two years at Laurier getting the music therapy degree. So it was, it was really great timing. No kidding. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's definitely meant to be. <laughs> your career, yeah. And, I th- yeah, and then sure. I, th- I think when I got, uh, when I did my placements, right, as part of your, your uh, university studies, you have to do practicum placements. And then when I actually saw music therapy in action, um, and working with clients, it's like, yes, yes, this is right. It's not, it's not really a, a career. I think of it more as a passion. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. And so mm-hmm. then reflecting back, uh, who are just starting out in this field or might just have an interest, mm-hmm. uh, is there anything that you would tell your younger self? Uh, any advice that you might oh. give yourself or our listeners mm-hmm. in that age group? Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, so many thoughts come to mind. I think first, I would tell my younger self not to be in such a hurry to specialize. Um, be open to clinical experiences with many different populations. And I really believe your passion will reveal itself in time. For me, it was, it was working with children. But that you know, took years before I said, yeah, this is where I feel the most at home. Having said that, um, it's also okay to change the population you're working with. Um, if you need a change. So always check with yourself and go, is this, is this feeding my passion? Is this where I want to work? Do I need to, do I need a change? And I can come back to working with this population later. Um, I'd also say be proud of who you are and of the career you chose. Music therapy is way better known now than when I first started out. But there are times when people would ask me what I do for a living and I would say, almost like questioning, I'm a music therapist, you know, with a question mark at the end of it. And I would like be bracing myself for the inevitable questions. Sometimes there were jokes. Sometimes there were doubts about its validity. And I think we've come a really long way. And we need to be excited about the opportunity to tell somebody and educate somebody about this field. I think also you should reach out to other professions, lose the defensiveness we have a specialized set of skills. And so to work with others with a different set of skills can be a really powerful combination. I've had points in my career where I was guilty of what I would call solo thinking. And I have some regrets about that, to be honest. Um, say yes to the chance to apply music within a different context. For example, a speech therapy session, a physio consult. Um, you'll learn so much and they'll learn from you. So just be open to those um, opportunities. And then probably a final recommendation is just connect with other music therapists. These are your people. Uh, We have so many ways to do this. We have our provincial conference. We have national conferences. And I've always said, when I go to these conferences, I feel like I'm coming home. And I try to make an effort. Like I would say, try to make an effort to gather with these people when it's safe to do so, of course. Um, First of all, trust me, you won't have to answer the question what is music therapy? Everybody there should know. Um, But you can move on to other questions such as, you know, how can I be an even better music therapist? And I really feel like what sustained me over the years has been those friendships um, with my colleagues. um, And we all have this commonality of really believing in the power of music. So I think um, if you're feeling alone, isolated, maybe you're working in a private practice all by yourself, reach out. There's lots of opportunities. There's uh, peer groups, there's clinical supervision, there's social media. Um, we have so many ways to stay connected. 
Oh, Noreen, it is inspiring for me <laughs> to listen to you. And I'm feeling a great sense of pride because you were my supervisor and our mentor. And of course, a great friend. And I know that you have so many clinical examples of music therapy where you really knew you were making an impact. So I'd love to hear some that you're able to share with us. Sure. And I may even have a few new ones because you know a lot of my stories, Adrian. So um, I think this is a really great question. And I think that's because the stories that we share are, it makes music therapy relatable. Um, And these stories, I've always said, provide that aha moment for others to get what music therapists do. And and going back to when people say, you know, what's music therapy or what do you do? I usually lead with an example because that's where they that's where they get it. Um, And I think music therapists carry these meaningful experiences in our hearts and in our minds long after the sessions are done. And no session is going to be not every session, I should say, is going to be groundbreaking, but you look for those moments of connection within the session. So I've come up with three different examples. I could talk for hours on examples because, like I said, I think it's a, it's a really good thing to do. Um, but I, I selected three that I hope kind of uh, represent some of the work that I've done. Um, the first one I want to start with is a male. Um, he was an adult male with a developmental um, disability, and he had very limited verbal skills. Um, so when I was working with him, this was many years ago, probably my, it was my first job, actually, as a music therapist. He used to request Jesus Loves Me, the song Jesus Loves Me, several times per session. And I would play it for him every single time. And I was challenged on that um, by a few colleagues, well-meaning colleagues that have said, you know, he keeps asking for that, but, you know, why do you keep playing it for him? Um, But what I noticed is that every time he asked for that song, he would tear up big, big crocodile tears every time I played it. And I would finish. And then he would say, can you play Jesus Loves Me again? And I would play it. So I was curious. And I, I did some research on his file. And I discovered that his mom was, was a church organist. And she was too ill at that time to visit him. Mm-hmm. And although he couldn't articulate it, I truly believe it was his way of saying how much she loved and missed her. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, a, it's a small example, but I think in a lot of ways, it, it's uh, a good example of why we need to be very client-centered listen to our clients. And if I had ignored that and said, no, no, we've already, you know, we've already played that song. Let's do something else. I think it was his way, you know, it's almost grieving, but it's, um, he was missing her and he loved her. His um, way of connecting to his mother. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it, I don't know that a hundred percent, but it's a sense. And I really believe like as a music therapist, you have a pretty finely tuned uh, intuition, sense of intuition. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he wasn't, someone said, but aren't you making him sad? And maybe in a way, but we don't have to shy away from those emotions either. So, yeah. So I often think about him. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I'd like to talk about Monica. So Adrian and I both worked with Monica. So she remembers her for sure. Um, She was a little girl. She uh, was silent, had never spoken for about seven years so she was about seven years old when I met her, um, never uttered a word. 
So in working with her, I tried to musically capture her her gentle spirit and energy. Um, and Adrian, you remember how she kind of would float mm-hmm. into the room. So after several uh, weeks of hearing the same song, we did a lot of improvisation and just had her listen and followed her, her movements around the session room. She started to sing random words within the song. Um, and then, which was really exciting, she began to sing at home and she started to sing and ask for juice and ask for water or asked to go to bed using song. And I remember her mom complaining, uh, I say that with quotations, that she was waking up the household during the night uh, with bursts of singing. So it actually um, transferred from, excuse me, from singing to and vocalizing to speaking. And I think we're gonna, at some point, we're gonna add um, an audio clip of Monica singing. Third example, this was a little girl um, and she was struggling behaviorally. So the mom asked me to see her. Um, she was only four. So she really believed that her um, behavioral challenges were connected to the recent death of her favorite uncle. And she'd been very close to this uncle and she really just didn't have the capacity to, to verbally say how much she was missing him. Um, but so she was starting to act out. So talking about her feelings wasn't helping. And mom thought, well, let's, let's try music therapy. So the very first session, and I'll have to say in the very first five minutes, this four-year-old girl walked slowly to the piano and I had set up some hanging bar chimes. So she ran her hands just along the bar chimes and she whispered to me, it sounds like angels. And then she followed that with, do you know my uncle died? And if I ever doubted the power of music, it was not that day Um, because I didn't have to even, I remember worrying before the session, like how, you know, how am I going to access, you know, how are we going to talk about this? And, and, but she, she, it it was like, what are they called? An open sesame, right? She, she played the chimes. It reminded her of angels. She knew and believed her uncle was in heaven. And that's, and I, I remember thinking, well, here we go. 
Um, we spent the next month or so uh, creating a memory box um, for her uncle. She drew, she, we did things like she would draw a picture and uh, she, one picture was beautiful. It was of uh, her uncle and he had his hands open, uh, open wide and looking up to the clouds. Um, and she did that and she wrote a song for him and we put this all in a memory box and not surprisingly, her behavioral challenges were, were not an issue after that. Oh, wow. Such a safe place for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. Thank you for sharing those stories. <laughs> and I'm going to ask one more question, which is kind okay. of in a different direction. Um, we okay. love sure. to hear about the Communicate program that you mm-hmm. and that's running across America. <laughs> it is. Yes. I'm very excited. Um, this is my latest, I guess, again, a passion project, but after years of working with speech pathologists, um, it was actually uh, uh, Adrian and, and Kathy, both of you encouraged me to, to uh, get it down on paper. Right. And it's a methodology for working, combining music and speech therapy. It's a group program. Um, when we gather again, it will, it'll be great. It was, it was written, uh, obviously with in-person in mind, but we've been able to pivot to doing it virtually, which is great because that means we can work with people all over the world. Um, and it's a, a co-facilitated group for, uh, children with speech language and communication challenges. Noreen, we are so grateful to have you come join us today. And I think everything that you've had to share with us is so valuable. Um, I know that you've just given us the tip of the iceberg with Communicate, and there's so much more to mm-hmm. learn. So I encourage people to, you know, look to your website and look to your social media to learn more about that and particularly right music therapists and speech language pathologists who are interested in offering that program, you provide supervision and so much guidance and resources for people. But looking back, I love where you started saying it was my first music teacher. It was, it was her encouragement and Mm -hmm. her showing me how to lean into my musicality and it was your mother discovering the profession that was the <laughs> that was you that was yes. meant for you yeah. and your beautiful words of wisdom from over 30 years of experience for the next generation of music therapists you know so mm-hmm. to be proud be proud and loud collaborate <laughs> with others yeah. and to slow down and get some broad experience and then you know find out where it is that you're meant to specialize in focus if that is if that is the path for you it's really mm-hmm. wonderful advice and then those stories, those three <laughs> beautiful stories and, mm-hmm. and having, giving us the chance to hear Monica's voice and hear Monica sing mm-hmm. and uh, that sweet little girl who's now a grown up lady in the world. She is. I know. I know. It's, yeah. it's amazing, really. But, you know, like I said, I think we carry these, these stories with us long after, you know, for finished working with, with these clients. So. And the last thing I want to say Mm -hmm. is um, you mentioned your supervisor, Fran Herman, and Mm -hmm. Fran Herman was one of the first practicing music therapists in Canada at Mm -hmm. Colin Bloorview Children's Pediatric Rehab, and you are one of her first 
interns and you think of the legacy of all of the people you've supervised and all of the people that you've supervised who have supervised <laughs> all of the music therapists who are French, Fran Herman's grandchildren and great grandchildren yes. and yeah. Fran did die late last year. Yeah. So just to really um, honor her and, and keep, keep doing her work. Yeah. Right. She was an amazing music therapist. So I'm, I was so proud that I got that chance to, to we, and we maintained uh, contact and yeah, I believe just carrying on that kind of work is really important. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your commitment and dedication to this really important work and you are changing lives. For more information about Qmusicate, it can be found at qmusicate.info. And for Noreen's Music by Design, you can look at musicbydesign.ca. That was such a fascinating interview with Noreen. She brought up so many great points about her journey as a music therapist and also some of those you know, really touching stories about her impact. And one of the things that stood out to me, having not been a music therapist myself, was that really unique way for her to connect with her clients in different ways. So for example, um, with the chimes we heard, with also creating that memory box, um, looking at just the different things that you can do as a music therapist. And I wondered as a parent, you know, what does a music therapist speak to parents or families and say, you know, this would be really helpful to continue this work at home in this way, not necessarily as therapy, but is that something that music therapists offer families and they can continue that great work that happened in the session? Absolutely it is. So the really unique skill set that a music therapist has is that we're tuning into each individual or each child that we're working with and creating a program that is truly customized and responsive to them, to who they are as a person. Music therapists are excellent listeners and really emphasize that value. And that's something that a music therapist will then talk to parents about after. So we might just remind parents, you know, listen for this or listen for this sound or respond when do some mirroring, you know, when your child is doing um, la la la, respond to that la 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 or add some words, you know, so really responding. Um, If they're creating a memory box, if we're doing some grief work, and then that box is something that's transitioning home, you know, continuing to build that or to visit it from time to time to stay connected. Or is there a playlist that we've compiled that you're using at home that you can then be playing to help maintain the connection to the loved one who has died. So there's many ways that music therapists can provide tools to parents that really are um, resources that help outside of the the time that's spent with the certified music therapist. That's amazing. So great, because that just offers, you know, children, youth, adults, even that more support and more resources to draw from during this time. Um, so, you know, obviously, you've known Noreen for a long time. And so was there anything that stood out for you in our meeting or interview with her today? 
You know, I love listening to Noreen speak. I always have. And she's, as we all heard, a beautiful storyteller, an excellent clinician, a sensitive musician. And all of those things stand out for me. And I really, like I said, I really valued hearing her words of wisdom. But it's those inspirational stories that capture the heart and the essence of the work. And then finally, I'm so proud and so pleased that she has put pen to paper and created, written down her learning over all of these years and made this Communicate program that um, music therapists can be using to help their clients. So I think that that's just a wonderful um, resource that she's created for to help other professionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought it was really cool that she was talking about her early experiences with connecting with her music teacher. And it started there and leaning into the music. And, you know, beyond the studio, we have the most amazing music teachers. And I think, you know, we're busy running the organization, of course, but there are these wonderful teachers that we work with that are, you know, working online and in students' homes when we can, and really being those influential Uh, people in their lives in many different ways. So I'm really proud of what we have here at Beyond the Studio as well and uh, and making a difference in that way, uh, like Noreen was sharing with us as well. So I thought it was a terrific chat today. It really was. And behind every music therapist, there is a music teacher that inspired them. And our music teachers are doing that, just like you said. Thank you for joining us on the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast. To learn more about resources from the show, please visit beyondthestudio.ca. Thanks for listening.